Grace and peace to you all, and welcome to the Calvary Road with Pastor Sam Allen. And, and, and it's so important that we get this. We're the other sheep. We were grafted in. We were adopted in. And not grafted into Israel, as some suggest. No, we're grafted into Jesus. Life is in Him. He's the vine, we're the branches. We've got to abide in Him or we'll never bear fruit. We'll never be faithful. In today's broadcast, we have a new two-part study from Pastor Sam entitled, The Good Shepherd. We are in the 10th chapter of John, and we will be looking at the entire chapter over these next two broadcasts. This chapter discusses in depth the idea that we are simply sheep, part of the flock that belongs to their shepherd, and their shepherd happens to be Jesus Christ. There's so much great application that comes from this, so let's listen in. Jesus begins, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Lord, give us understanding, insight, a fuller and deeper appreciation for the wonder of the things that are shared here. Prepare us, Lord, through those things to best represent you as we go forward in Jesus' name. Well, important to take note of the fact that this is Jesus' last public discourse. It's the last time that he'll be speaking to this group. Oh, they'll be there at his trial. They'll be there at the crucifixion. Some of the very same people. But this is a public opportunity for him to share with those who were followers, those who were enemies, those who were still in the valley of decision. And so uh, it's, it's a, also essential passage for them and for us today. Now, of all the ways Jesus spoke of and revealed himself, the image of the shepherd and his sheep is one of the most captivating. Each picture is common to them and important to us. The sheepfold is the first picture that we're given and we have a picture of a sheepfold and uh, it would have very much looked like this. It's a rock enclosure, sometimes a cave, but more often out in the open. And uh, you should note, there's only one opening. And so when he says, hey, all who came before me, thieves and robbers, the one who climbs in, not by the door, but over the wall, well, thieves and robbers. So the one opening made it easier for the shepherd to protect the sheep from predators. Of course, Jesus goes on to say he is the door. So second image, the sheep fold the door, the only entrance provided. Now, Climbing the walls for most meant they were up to no good. 
If my grandsons were there, climbing the walls would just be, well, that's what they do. But he's warning about those who try to enter the sheepfold, influence the sheep or damage the sheep, coming in some way except by the door, who it turns out he will tell us is him. The danger, thieves, robbers, wolves, literally and spiritually, those who were up to no good, those who neglected or abused or devoured his sheep. Important to know that those who were listening to Jesus, well, they were a mixed group. There were followers and disciples who loved him and were listening to him. They wanted to be like him. There were those who were detractors and enemies of Jesus, and, and many of them were religious leaders in that day. They would fall into the wolves and robbers and thieves category. They neglected God's sheep. They abused God's sheep. They devoured the sheep. And by the way, they clearly understood that he was addressing them in this portion. For extra credit and greater insight, jot it down, Ezekiel chapter 34, because in that chapter, and we won't have time to look at any of it today, but in Ezekiel 34, Jesus contrast, or excuse me, Ezekiel contrast, the, um, the false shepherds of his day with the true shepherd, which turns out to be God himself. So they would have understood that they, there's enough of what he's saying that they'd say, this sounds too familiar to be coincidence. He knew they'd get it and they aren't going to like it. Well, the doorkeeper is important because many times in an enclosure like this, there would have been many flocks gathered together. And that's why he tells us the doorkeeper would be there in the doorway and different uh, shepherds would bring their flocks. He'd let them in. When they came for their flocks, he would make sure they're the shepherd that, well, came for their own sheep. The sheep also had a part to play in this because he says that the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they know him and they won't listen to the voice of strangers because they don't know or follow a stranger. I do know that some of us hear voices, hopefully only one or two, more than two, and you're in trouble. Uh, but but uh, there's something called self-talk. It's our own voice speaking to us internally. And then there's the Lord. He does speak to us. He whispers in our ear, in our inner consciousness. The Holy Spirit reminds us of things he's taught us. He brings to our remembrance those things. So, so uh, knowing his voice, Responding to his voice, oh, so important. And uh, of course, uh, it says we don't know the voice of strangers and we won't follow strangers. When the shepherd would come for his sheep, he would simply call them by name. They'd recognize him by voice. And then he knew this sheep and that sheep and this sheep. So that one leads him out, the other leads him out. And again, the doorkeeper was responsible to make sure that no one got in 
except the shepherd who was legitimately there to gather his own sheep. There's another picture here, a word picture in the idea of the doorkeeper who either opened or shut the door. In Revelation 3, 7, and 8, Jesus in his seven letters to the seven churches, Revelation 3, 7, he speaks to the church at Philadelphia and he says, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your work. See, I've set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you have a little strength. You've kept my word and not denied my name. It's a glorious picture. And I would hope that this could be said of us today, that we're a church with an open door to our community, to the surrounding cities and, and, and in our state and in our country. And well, there are open doors everywhere. But this was a church that had the door opened for them. And when Jesus opens the door, nobody can shut it. And here's the three things he had to say about them. They had a little strength. Certainly that would be true of us. We don't need great strength because we are serving a great God. You've kept my word. You have to have it to keep it, but he means they knew it. Jesus elsewhere and earlier said, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then he says, you've not denied my name. So faithful to his word, faithful to his name. The shepherd cared for his sheep. And that's the next image. The sheepfold, the door, the danger, the doorkeeper, the shepherd cared for his sheep, guiding, directing, providing, protecting, seeking the wandering sheep. And so their security was in the shepherd. And we have a, an image of the shepherd for you, something worth contemplating as we consider our good, great, and chief shepherd, Jesus. His sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name. He leads them out and they follow him. Well, verse seven is a revelation. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. He never refers to himself as a, though he is a door. He is the door to the sheep and to the sheepfold. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the resurrection in the life. In fact, here, the good shepherd, I am the good shepherd, continuing our theme of I am's by Jesus. Interesting and I think fitting that we finish the year this year on our weekend services looking at the great shepherd. Next time we'll be looking at the resurrection and the life. So the end of a year and then a brand new uh, reality as we go into the next. Well, Jesus said, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. The all who came before would include the unfaithful and unfruitful leaders uh, mentioned by Ezekiel. There'd been many before, there would be many after, and there were many in Jesus' day. But all who came before me, thieves and robbers. And anyone comes when anyone comes saying, hey, you know, Jesus is a way, he's a good teacher, he was a good man, he was this, he was that, but deny anything he says about himself. 
like, you know, there, it, there are lots of roads to heaven. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to heaven but by me. And you can't have it both ways. You can't honor him and then say, but he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to the most important issue. And that's where we will spend eternity and how we secure ourselves in that reality. Well, he says, I am the door. Repeating, I am the door of the sheep. Now I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Well, listen, so important that we get this. If you're in Christ Jesus, if you're born again of his spirit, you have the gift of everlasting life. And for the life of me, I don't understand when people try to work for something that's free. And if you happen to be one that's been working so hard and trying so hard to become the person you think God wants you to be, just surrender to him. Let him take control because he and he alone can make you the person you were created to be and will become if you just let him have his way. The other issue is there are many who will say, well, I'm just unworthy or I just feel unworthy or I've been unfaithful. I don't really see why God would love me or, or, or well, why he would want to change and use me. Listen, it's the gift of everlasting life. When someone tells me they've got a gift for me and, and, it, and it's not a fruitcake or something, uh, I'm like, well, awesome. So no offense to those of you who've given fruitcakes in the past. Not fishing for anything, but definitely those we re-gift. And so um, you could get it back five years later from the people who keep on giving it around. But, but my point is this. If you ever feel unworthy, here's the good news. You are. You're undeserving of his mercy. You're undeserving of his goodness. We're all that. You're in good company. Not one person here is worthy of the free gift of everlasting life. If we were worthy, it wouldn't be a gift. It wouldn't be free. And it's so important that we process that. And if you feel like, well, I'm just not sure, be sure. And if you're in him, well, he's going to say you should be absolutely secure in him. So everlasting life, first issue, you got to have that or you'll never experience the second. But sadly, many have everlasting life that aren't experiencing abundant life. Why? Because we receive the gift of everlasting life, but we have to walk with him in fellowship and obedience to experience the abundant life. We need to be letting him anoint and empower and guide and direct us because abundant life is found in fulfilling the call on our life. Being the person he's created and is transforming us into the person he always wanted to see us become. Well, he goes on then to say, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Listen, this is clearly a reference to the cross. It won't be the last. He's pointing forward to the reality of the coming cross. But I was thinking about King David 
Long before he was a king, he was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, he learned some things about caring for those creatures that are, well, needy and in need of a shepherd, in need of guidance, in need of direction, in need of provision and of protection. He learned all that. And when he stood before Saul and said, hey, look, I can take Goliath on. I'm not afraid of this guy. All Israel was. David's just a young guy. And when he's like, well, you're just, there's no way you can take him on. He goes, listen, when I kept my father's sheep, a lion came or a bear come and I just took them out. I did them in. And then he says, the same Lord who, who, who gave me victory over them will give me victory over him. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the heart of his message. He's not saying I can do it. He's saying God enabled me to do that as a kid. And Saul's looking and thinking, you're still a kid. And, and it doesn't matter because he's standing before Goliath when he does. In the name of the Lord and in the power of the Lord. It wasn't how great David was, though the people would give him all sorts of glory. No, it was how great God is. And it just took somebody who had a history, who had an experience that built their faith in God's faithfulness. Well, he goes on in verse 12 to say, but a hireling contrasting himself as Ezekiel 34 does, first part's about the hirelings, the second part's about the good shepherd. God is that shepherd. And so here he just reverses the two. He says, I'm the good shepherd, but a hireling who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. That's at best. He scatters some, but he eats others. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. Unfaithful kings, false prophets, both hirelings. And there were and are many. Some years back, very early on at a time of extreme stress and duress, I had to make a commitment. And I realized God was showing me that, that, well, there's only one way for me to prove to myself. I don't have to prove to you I'm not a hireling. I'm still here and the beach still isn't. And I've been here for a very long time. But, but here's the thing, for myself, I had to have a way to know. I had to be sure that if things got really bad, I would never flee. And I was reading his word and I was reading this passage. And I realized that, that he's saying the hireling flees when the wolf comes. So I purposed in that day, I would never leave under duress or stress. Here's the good news. This would work for any pastor, young or old. There's no reason to leave when everything's going good. Most pastors leave when things get really hard and they just can't deal with it anymore. And it's striking and sad to, to read how many thousands of churches close every, every year. But here's my point. It isn't something that only works in pastoring. It works in everything. I've decided never to make an important decision when I'm stressed or under duress. And now I'm getting older, so I'm deciding I don't even want to make not important decisions when I'm stressed or duress because I can still make bad decisions and there's always consequences of every decision. 
So my heart for you guys, my, my exhortation is to you, to you is to don't make any decision when you're stressed, when you're under duress, when the enemy's like, you got to decide now. Just don't. And, and, and listen, parents, husbands, wives, so many men leave their wives. It's, it's in, incredible to me. And having grown up in a broken family, having Pam grow up in a broken family, we purpose before we were even Christians, we would never be torn apart. We would never be divided. We would always be together till, well, we said it at, at the wedding, till death do us part. There've been a few times where I thought she might kill me and it would have gone that way. But she didn't and we're still here. And I'm saying in all seriousness, like husband should never leave his, his wife. A dad should never leave his family. And you're like, oh, but the circumstances and there's this and there's that. There's no excuse. We're a family or we're not a family. And the husband's the head of the household or he isn't. And the parents are responsible for the kids or they're not. And, and there is no or not. They are. We are. So, don't make a decision under stress or duress and never leave the flock God's entrusted to you. They can walk away, but you're always going to be looking out for them and going after them. Why? Because you want to be like the good shepherd who always does that for you. Well, anyway, I am, he says again, the good shepherd. Verse 14, I know my sheep and I'm known by my own. So the question would be simple. Do you know him that way? When you hear that little voice within, is it his voice guiding and leading you? Or, or is it the, what you used to tell yourself when you were young or your fears that you've carried with you all your life? Or are you hearing him and, and what he's saying to you? I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep. They know me. The father knows me. Even so, I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Another reference to the coming cross. Other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. You should know that Jesus came first for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says so. He sends his disciples out in the beginning to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why? They're expecting him. They were promised him. All the way back in Genesis 12, the fifth promise to, to Abraham is that all nations would be blessed through him. But there would be a nation first, and that nation is Israel. They're God's original sheep, if you will. And here he adds to it by saying, there are other sheep, not of this fold. We are those sheep. And, and, and it's so important that we get this. We're the other sheep. We were grafted in. We were adopted in. And not grafted into Israel, as some suggest. No, we're grafted into Jesus. Life is in him. He's the vine. We're the branches. We've got to abide in him or we'll never bear fruit. We'll never be faithful. So, so here's the most important part of all this. They had to come to Jesus. He told Nicodemus, a highly regarded and respected and revered religious leader of the days, Nick, you must be born again or you'll never see the kingdom of heaven. If the truly spiritual among his people, the Jews, had to be born again, 
Well, then they all had to be born again. And so it ends up being about Jesus. How is there one flock and one shepherd? Because he's the shepherd and his flock is made up of Jews and Gentiles, but all connected in and through him. Believe it or not, I have met some folks who do not appreciate being referred to as sheep. Sheep are dumb animals, they say, and we are not dumb. I get it. If we compare ourselves to actual sheep, I think we have quite an edge over them. We're a little higher on the food chain. But compare us to God? And I think being cast as a sheep could be considered a compliment. As it stands, sheep are mentioned over 500 times in scripture, and the relationship between shepherd and sheep is used many times to describe our relationship with God. And we have to be able to see this in its correct context. See what it says in Psalm 103. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So if a sheep is a picture in scripture of me, I am so thankful that my shepherd is the good shepherd and I will follow him wherever he goes. The Calvary Road is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Chico, and you can visit our website, ccchico.com, or download the CC Chico app to contact us and listen to other studies from Pastor Sam. You can also listen to The Calvary Road as a daily podcast by visiting thecalvaryroad.com. We'd love to hear from you, and until next time, may you find grace and peace as your journey takes you down the Calvary Road. And your grace.